Hello and welcome to the Herbicane Podcast. My name is Simon Osmo and I'm a former UK police detective turned entrepreneur and mindset coach. And on this podcast, I talk with impactful individuals from around the world who have navigated a life pivot, found themselves for a self-discovery to find that thing that we've all been looking for, a happy and fulfilled life. So the excuses are over, my friend. It's time to change our thinking so that we can change our lives and come join me as we dive into this week's conversation to learn how they became who they became. Friend, welcome back to the Who Became podcast. This is episode 58. I'm Simon Osmo, and I'm so glad that you are here. Today's guest is Carl Sullivan. Now, this was a really fun conversation with Carl. You'll love his energy, his passion. He describes himself as a culture coach. He is the host of the podcast Unleashing the Champ where he shares authentic conversations and practical leadership takeaways. And he believes that all of us have a champ inside of us. Now, Kyle is going to share some hardship and tough times in his own life where he went from selling drugs and also perhaps breaking the stereotypes of being a male cheerleader at college. Now, I love this conversation and here's my advice. If you're on the treadmill, you're at the gym or you're in the car, Kyle drops so many quotes that will inspire you it's really going to be hard to write them down and remember. So you might want to listen to this when you have your phone in your hand so you can take notes or write things down. It's incredible. It really is. So today's action step is nice and simple. Can you please share this episode on your social media and tag me into the post at Simon Osimo at Simon O-S-A-M-O-H. Now sharing the episodes with your friends really helps us grow. And if I see it, I'll reshare it to my network and I'll give you a personal shout out. So the introduction is over. Let's just dive into this week's episode, episode 58, and listen to my conversation with Kyle Sullivan. Well, Kyle, welcome to the Overcame Podcast. Simon, I'm excited to be here, man, and excited to be on the show today. And likewise, I interview a lot of people in a lot of different cities, and I've never been to Oklahoma before to Tulsa. So um, uh, I'm learning something new on this podcast today. Yeah, man. Hey, Tulsa's a, uh, I, I call it, it's a good, small, big city. There's a lot to do. There's a, a lot to do without the traffic of a, of a major big city. So it's, it's nice. Well, my listeners will know that I'm a former detective. So what I know about Oklahoma was there was a major bombing there around 20 years ago, maybe. Was that right? Yeah, yeah. but I think uh, the Oklahoma City bombing was, uh, they just, I think it was 20 years last year. Yeah. And, and, and very embarrassing, that's about as much as I know as Oklahoma. So you can educate me during this podcast. But Kyle, like you, I'm excited to dive into this um, conversation. Now, I know that your title, which is interesting to me, is you're a former pastor turn culture coach so we're definitely going to go there you know that's, that's yeah. always interesting and you coach high performers as well so we'll get some sort of mindset from you as to what you see in those high performers good good and bad but my listeners can get some some learning from but maybe let's just start off with you just tell us a little bit about your personal journey you know we know you're from Oklahoma you're a, a high performance coach tell us a little bit about your journey how did you get from poor, former pastor to culture coach Yes, I mean, you know, I think even before that, I I asked the question, what does a former D1 athlete, drug dealer, pastor, husband, 
of eight years, father of two under two, and founder of a coaching company have in common. Those are all seasons of life for me. Wow. And That's so, like six episodes, Kyle. I'm, I'm right. like, yeah. <laughs> Listeners, we're going to have to do this in a six-part conversation. <laughs> and so, you know, before, before all of that, and, you know, there's when I hear all of the things and stages of my life, it goes, man, like, God has really brought me through a whole lot. And I think segmented out, it's like, I, you know, we haven't really gone through a whole lot. Of, we really haven't had a lot to happen. But, you know, I'm, I'm a guy from small town Louisiana. If your listeners have ever uh, seen or heard of the show Duck Dynasty, it was real big uh, a few years back. It's my hometown, uh, small town in Louisiana. People, you know, you got raised well, you got had manners, yes sir, no ma'am. It's a great place to be from. And, you know, went to school in Arkansas, been in Oklahoma for nine years now, uh, married to my wife, who uh, I came to Oklahoma after college chasing a girl, which it worked out great. We've been married eight years and got two kiddos, just turned two on Tuesday of this week as we were recording this. And my, my son's two and a half months old right now. And, um, you know, we're just in that fun season of life. Um, parenthood, two kids. You know, I launched my business in the middle of the pandemic last year uh, after being a pastor for 11 years uh, at two amazing organizations. Um, and so, yeah, man, it's uh, I believe that everything we do, everything that we experience in life takes us to who I became. And so I love the topic in the, the direction of your show, because when I think about all the areas of my life, it's like, yeah who I became was because of my experiences in my life. Well, I will do my best to unpack that for the listeners in the next 30, 40 minutes, because there, there is a lot in there, Carl. And it's really, it's incredible to see you come out the other side, you know, and have your coaching business. And I know you're going to be successful a minute. You've definitely got a strong mindset, but maybe if I can pick up with two chapters then, it's interesting. Uh, you know, I moved to the US coming up to 10 years ago, actually, October um, of 2021 would be 10 years in the US. And I don't think I've met so many D1 college athletes. And I have quite a lot of people within Europe that listen to this podcast. And a D1 college athlete basically means the sort of creme de la creme, the cream of the crop. You know, you are one of the top athletes and you're often um, recruited into a university and scholarship is paid and you have a lot of things sort of gifted, gifted to you. So I want to sort of make sure my listeners understand what that means. That is very significant. So what what was your sport then, Kyle? What were you what were you good at? You know, Simon, this is uh so much of my life is curveballs. So growing up, I did baseball and American football. In high school, I did powerlifting. In college, what I was a D1 athlete in was cheerleading, competitive oh, wow. cheerleading. Wow. And so I I tried to walk on to the football team. I was not exceptional at baseball or football. I was pretty good, but didn't get a lot of interest. Tried to walk on. I am 5'8 on a good day with the right amount of product in my hair. <laughs> I like it. And so I was just too short. Uh, I wasn't exceptional enough. I wasn't fast enough. But what I could do is I got a lot of energy and I was strong. And so I ended up through a series of conversations trying out for the cheerleading team for the university. And got to do that for two years while I was at that university, um, competitive, uh, you know, competitions nationally. Uh, we got second one year, 
uh, and got third the next, and it was a blast. Um, but I will say I got I got injured more as a cheerleader than I ever did playing baseball or football. Wow, fascinating. And what I like about that story is, you know, my listeners would know that if they want to watch the interview of us together, uh, they can head over to my YouTube channel at Simon Osman and watch the video. Quite often, you can't necessarily put the two together. When I look at you, uh, you don't come across as like a cheerleader. Again, my, the, the stereotype in my mind is thinking, you know, five foot nine, blonde, blue eyes, um, you know, with the sort of pom poms going around. And again, you know, that's, that, I'll, I'll lay it out there, Carl. That's the stereotype that, that sure. I have. So, yeah. I mean, did you find that with some people when you'd say, you know, you're doing, doing enough? It's similar to me. Well, was it football? Was it baseball? Was it wrestling? No, it was yep. cheerleading. You know, oh, how did that, what was that like? 100%, man. And, and it didn't make any sense. But it still as doesn't, age, maybe. Maybe still, it still doesn't. <laughs> but it doesn't make sense, but it makes perfect sense, Simon. Because think about this. 18 years old. I just graduated high school. I'm going into college. And I'm going to get paid to hang out with a group of very pretty girls every day. It sounds like it makes sense now. All of a sudden, it makes perfect sense. <laughs> and so it was a blast. And, you know, I, I had never done anything, you know, never tumbled, never did any flips, never did any of the stunts. And I learned all of it in a matter of a month to do the trout and made the, made the squad, made the team. Um, and from nothing to enough to where I, I made the team and was uh, part of the squad. And so hearing that you did that in a very short amount of time, would you say, are you a quick learner? Are you one of these people that's sort of gifted in a certain way, but you know, instantly you can remember something, you can pick something up? Um... Yeah, I think I do have an ability to pick up things quickly um, that I'm passionate about, you know, and I think that's an in important piece of any of our learnings is, um, you know, when we're motivated by something and we can pick it up pretty quick. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was, man, if I wanted to do this, I had to learn it really quick because there was a deadline coming up. And I think that's important too, is, um, uh, that deadline increased the urgency of learning. Yeah, and, and I know I'm the same as well. But often in my life, I leave things to the last minute. As soon as there's a deadline, there's a sort of a you know a high of activity, and then it's accomplished on 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 time. You know, it's often uh, maybe it's a man trait. I don't know, but I think it's definitely a personality trait that that I have. So, so well, that's good. So I mean, we're learning a bit about your story. So we're here. We see where you are now. You're a sort of culture coach, high performers. You know, you mentioned various different sort of um, pivots, um, transformations in your life. Yeah, so the uh, the backstory leading up to being a pastor and and the drugs and alcohol, it really was uh, it was stemmed from a desire to be accepted, and that was you know probably as a child I, I, I was the the class clown, the larger life. I wanted people to know me. I wanted people to accept me. I wanted to, and I was just doing anything to try to get that. And um, you know, in a in a season of my life where I was so consumed by it. Whoever would show me the attention, I typically did what they did. And I think it's important even now that we understand that like we're the average of the five people that we spend the most time with, that we communicate with most often. Um, we're the, you know, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. And so that was the case for me. I, I got connected with people that were uh, living, you know, recklessly and destructive. And I had a bit of a Superman complex that nothing was going to 
ever stop me. And I was going to be able to just, you know, do whatever, whenever, however, at whatever pace. And, you know, that just wasn't, wasn't the case. And I got myself in a pretty um, dark place over the course of about two and a half years. And it's easy to um, say when we hit the term validation, and it's very similar to uh, my journey and validation, something that I've struggled with throughout my life or the need for um, validation. And like you, Carl, it can come in positive ways and it can come in very negative ways into a life. But I mean, when you, when you look at the heart of that era and needing that validation, um, what was it connected to? Do you now know the answer? Was it you know, childhood? Was it family environment? Um, do you just need it? What, what is it? What was it related to? Yeah, I think as an adult and going through a lot of uh, counseling and therapy and working through. Uh, so I, I don't know my biological mom. And I think as a child that, you know, she left when I was about six months old and my dad, uh, you know, stepped up and, and raised me until he got remarried when I was three to my stepmom, who I knew as my mom. But I don't know my biological mom. And I think subconsciously and, and just in my soul that did something to me that was, you know, there. And I think that kind of stems some of that. Um, and then also, um, you know, I wasn't exceptionally gifted, you know, in athletics. I was pretty smart, so I made good grades. And, you know, what gets celebrated gets repeated. And so when I'd be celebrated for performance or be accepted by my actions and not who I was and just who I was as myself, it created this, this frame that, okay, if I do this, they'll praise me. So that means they like me. If they like me, then I'm accepted. If I'm accepted, that's what I desire. So I'm going to keep doing that. And so I think that's where it stemmed from. And then, you know, just over time, it, it just was reinforced. It was reinforced. It was reinforced to where it ultimately um, led me in a pretty destructive place. And it wasn't until I got jumped at a drug deal that I said, you know what, maybe this isn't the way to live. What I love about you there is that, you know, we're both sort of men of faith and this isn't a religious podcast, but sometimes it drifts in there. But I'd always say to people that, pastors are very good on their delivering their sermons because I'm writing down all the things that you're saying, you know, what gets celebrated gets repeated. And, and that is very true, isn't it? When you were seeking that validation, it was being, uh, the praise was coming from perhaps negative areas, but it was celebrated. So you were repeating those negative traits and it sort of continued and then sort of spiraled. So can you remember um, how old you were then when you had this sort of determination that actually, hang on, this isn't, you know, this isn't the right thing. I'm assuming like most validation seekers or those with addiction that you reach the point where it's never going to be enough. You know, you're never going to get enough external validation. You've got to find it within. That might be the best eloquent way, but I can say it was there an age where, where that happened. Yes. I mean, it was, uh, I was almost 21 when I got jumped and that was the catalyst for this is not what I want to do. Um, and it was the first and only time that I got in any trouble with any of the stuff that I did, you know, I call it God's grace, call it luck, call it whatever, but like, I never got caught. I never got in trouble. I never. And so I, that reinforced that Superman complex of I can do whatever, like I'm invincible until I wasn't. And so, you know, I was about 21 and had a pretty transformative encounter with Jesus through 
a trusted relationship that I called at three o'clock in the morning shortly after I got jumped. And I said, I need effing Jesus. I just didn't abbreviate anything. And so he taught me through what's that look like and how do I live? And then the next day I had to wake up and go, what do I do now? Like I had this moment that most people think is the finish line because you got your fire insurance. Um, (laughs) But it really is the starting point of a life lived through transformation. And so, you know, man, it was it was about that. And I just said, okay, I'm going to be available. I'm going to be obedient and I'm going to take the next right step for me. And that journey, you know, some 13 years now has led me to some amazing things and led me to be able to be a part of amazing organizations and to really build me and evolve me to a place where I'm at now, where, you know, running a coaching and consulting company being able to work with people at high levels, helping them get high results and unleash the champ within them. And what I like, um, what is interesting about your story, I think how you opened the podcast, we were saying about, you know, the different seasons in your life of which you'd sort of recounted four or five, and I sort of focused on those sort of two big ones, uh, was that, you know, if those negative things hadn't happened to you, you definitely wouldn't be the person that you are today. And that's what I often like to say, you know, how they became, who they became, because we all, in life, and I think society, Carl, we, we tend to look at the end product, don't we? And that's where comparison comes in, you know, and comparison is the sort of um, the thief to joy. But I want to be like Kyle, he's got this coaching business, look how amazing and stuff he is. But we, we don't hear the story as to what it took you to to get there. I'm sure was there, was there sacrifice along the way in your in your journey to sort of reach that proverbial top of the mountain? Oh my gosh, yes. Um, you know, I kind of fast forward through the story to like even now, you know, Simon, I was a pastor for 11 years. And when I stepped out on my own to create and start Unleash the Champ, I had to realize that on our way to purpose, there's pruning. And there's this stripping away of things that weigh us down. And anytime someone says, hey, I want to go for this thing, or I want to make this shift in my life, I want to try this new deal, or I want to go to this place, you have to understand that there is, with any advancement, there's loss. Because what got you here can't get you there. And so sometimes we have to acknowledge that for us to move forward, that means that things have to be removed. And so there's been relationships that I have held dear for over a decade that our relationship looks different or is not even existent anymore. And I had to work through that going, man, like this doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Why has it got to be this way? And I realized, you know what? I have the wrong frame. The frame is... I'm grateful for the season it was, but now I understand that where I'm going and what I'm doing and what I'm a part of now, those people that came up with me can't go up with me. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to go back and listen to this because I need rather than write these down now live, there's, there's so many nuggets in here. This, this is these are going to be some great show notes for the listeners. Go go to the bottom if you're listening because uh, there's some great um, words of wisdom being dropped in here. And I guess. Uh, one thing my mind is going towards is the story with your mother. I mean, was there a uh, happy ending there, uh, no ending? I mean, as a, 
ever been a chance to ever sort of reconcile that relationship? Has she passed? What, what do you know of your mother's existence now? I know her name. I know where she was born. And I know the age that she was when I was born. Um, I have a picture of her holding me in the hospital. And it's really not been something that I've ever tried to to find her or, you know, reach out or, or whatever. Um, so, I mean, man, she could pop on this uh, this call right now and somehow I've gotten a link and I'd be like, oh, who's that? So I just don't, I don't know who she is. So really no ending um, because I had an incredible mom that I knew as my mom. And so it's, yeah, it, I have a few things that I have and uh, I just have to go, you know what? She made that decision. Um, she was really young. My dad was, both my mom and dad were in high school when I was born. And so there's so many things there that as an adult, I have the ability to go, gosh, I can't even imagine um, what they were going through and the decisions they had to make. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, and it's funny you say that because recently I've had the same determination in my life. You know, I've never known my sort of father, um, you know, similar to you. I think it sounds like we're the same. I've got one or two pictures um, of the the wedding day to, to my mum, and that's about it. Um, but I think you do reach a point in your mind, don't you, when there's when there's extreme adversity, when there's a big sort of piece of your life which is missing. You think you have to you reach that crossroads, and it's either the thing that holds me back. Or it's the thing that drives me forward. Um, and it sounds like me and you're going to be friends offline, Carl, because we're both the same. That it's the thing that drives me forward. I, I can't change the past. Um, yeah. I am who I am. I've got to use it to go forward. So, yeah, I mean, it's um, great. It's good that you're in that nice peace of mind. Yeah, you know, Simon, I think it's, it's so important to understand. I think a question, especially when they hear a story like, like mine or like yours or you know, it's like, gosh, you've had so much happen in your life. And a well-intended question is, gosh, if you could go back and change anything, what would it be? And my answer is always nothing. Because if anything changed in my past, everything would change in my present. Yeah. Anything changes in my past, everything changes in my present. And I really like the present. Yeah, that's, that's, that's great. It um, really is. It's, um, I'm getting a lot out of talking to you myself, Carlo. <laughs> like, my listeners, I'm getting a lot out of this. So, so we're looking. So we've got all these different chapters. When there's so much things that have happened, uh, you now move into you know Unleash for Champ, which is you've got your own podcast, you've got your own coaching program. Tell me a little bit about Unleash for Champ as to how you're using who you were to sort of catapult other people to their own sort of life success. Yeah, man. I think so many of us walk into well-intended cages of comfort, of security, of um, fear, of, you know, failure, of whatever. Um, and CHAMP stands for your calling, your heart, altitude, mindset, and performance. So when you unleash those, it transforms the championship run you're called, and it creates a championship culture you can be proud of. So what I mean by that is when we align your calling, what you're on planet Earth to do. Calling is what you're, you're created for that may or may not be the same as what you're paid for in your career. Your heart, how do you take care of yourself and those most important to you? Your altitude, it is like your vision, but with movement. Because I can have a vision for something, but it doesn't imply that I'm moving towards it. 
So your altitude is the action of getting to that ultimate place. Your mindset, because anything we experience in the external has to start internally between the ears and then our performance, because my coaching is not about ethereal talks. We are going to build action. And because we know that consistent behavior in the right direction over time always yields to results. And like I mentioned in my own life, in a bad way, what gets celebrated gets repeated. What we measure maintains our pace. And when we pace, we can succeed. And I like what you said there about the consistency, because that that is key. I mean, that's sort of, um, you know, you can't get anything in life if you're not consistent. And that's something that I think us as humans struggle with is to, you know, we do things once that was great. It worked, um, you know, whether it's dieting, whether it's, um, you know, saving for a car, whatever it may be. I think everyone struggles with, with a lack of consistency, you know, but it is what you need to, to succeed. You don't have to be the best at anything. But if you're consistent, I mean, I've left so many people far cleverer than me behind just because they give up when, when they give up, that's when I keep pushing, pushing yeah. forward. So, yeah. And so when you're um, using this program, then Carl, so if people are coming to you and you're using your Unleash the Champ program for, is it designed for men, women? Yeah. Um, what type of customers or what type of people are coming to you with and um, needing performance coaching? Yeah. So these are typically men and women. Uh, 30 to my my oldest client is 53. Um, typically people who have solved the money issue in life, but at what sacrifice? So they have well-paying jobs, well-paying positions, they're running successful businesses. But when they look at those five pillars of calling, heart, altitude, mindset, performance, they realize that their personal culture does not reflect their professional performance. And there's the gap. Because our culture is made up of what we teach others, what we tell ourselves, and what we tolerate in our world. So when people come to me and they say, I just feel like there's more. Yeah, okay, let's talk about that. Or I wish I had more consistency in my life. Okay, well, what's motivating you and what's the accountability you have in your life? Great. Or on the professional side, man, we have this mission, vision, values, but it's on a handbook, not the hearts of our people. Okay. Man, our, our teams feel like they're siloed and everybody's kind of doing their own thing and we bring it into synergy. And so when your personal culture meets your professional performance and those get in alignment, you truly unleash the champ within you by working on calling heart, altitude, mindset, performance, which creates your personal or professional culture. And what I like about what you said is that you work with high performing individuals and you mentioned that these are people that have figured the money out, you know, they've got the money, but even when you get to the top of that proverbial mountain, you realize there's something still missing. And a story came to, to my mind of a friend of mine called Paul. He has a business, really good business model. He does IT support, but he does it for sort of more mature people. If I can say that without offending anyone that's listening. Uh, and, um, you know, so he's, more mature people will ring him up and say, you know, um, hey, Paul, I've got an issue with my laptop. Can you come around and, and help me with it? You know, so he'll go around to their house and do it. And he went to this old guy's house one time and he said, Simon, it was a, it was an absolute palace, you know, multi, multi million dollars. You know, you walk in there, everything that your heart's desire in treasures was inside this man's um, house. You know, he fixed his computer. The conversation was in there, you know, what do you do and holding this type of stuff. 
And then the man quickly cottons onto the fact that Paul was impressed with his material possessions. And he said, you know, I've made a lot of mistakes in my life. Um, and he said, if I could trade everything that you can see to get my wife and family back, I would trade it tomorrow. You know, and I think that is something that we often, it was a, a brilliant story. You know, hopefully I've given credit to my friend Paul and how he told it to me and then share it with others. But that is a great story to say that quite often we seek these material things, we seek these treasures. But even when you find the people that have those treasures, they are still searching. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, it's funny how I believe that everything builds upon itself. So my experience as a drug dealer, my experience, you know, working and being in bars, my experience as a pastor, it it kind of dilutes the awe factor of people. And then being able to connect and, you know, Simon Smith's law, that I feel more like a pastor in my coaching now than I did when I vocationally worked at a church. Because what I realized an attention to manage when I was vocational in and on church staff is people would put up a mask with me. And I couldn't really get behind it because I was their pastor. They had to, you know, everything's great. Everything's awesome. It's amazing. But with people, it's like they actually value fact I was a pastor and now I run a business because they feel like well he's he's not he's not going to judge me now which I wasn't going to judge before um but it's it's cool how it it comes but yeah man people get to the top of the mountain and they realize that they've lost themselves in the process and so being able to infuse that personal culture again in fact, affects their bottom line and their business, their companies, their performance, because it makes them more whole and complete. They unleash the champ within them, and that spills over into every area of their life. Absolutely. I find that, you know, who you are when you're at home or when you're with friends and family, that is the same person as when you walk into the door at work. You know, we often yeah. try and maybe shield that. And I always say that Socrates says the greatest way to live with honor in this world is to be who we pretend to be. There is these masks that go on um, in life where we don't want to let people in, but it's obviously, you know, and you've been a pastor, so you're used to sharing your story, but there's a lot of adversity that you've mentioned where some people might necessarily hold that in and not want to say, you know, I was at one point selling drugs. I was, you know, a, a cheerleader when most people associate that with being like a, you know, sort of woman's role and stuff. So right. it's, um, it is, isn't it? It's that being vulnerable, but us just as people um, struggle with. And, and do you see that in these people that you're coaching, Ben, that they've come to the realization they've got to open themselves up and say what's really on their heart, mind and soul? Yeah, we can only heal to the point that we're honest. And so because of my experience, being able to read people, see what's not being said, there's times where I'm I'm like, you know, they'll answer a question and I'll go, okay, cool. So you actually want to tell me how you're feeling about this? No, it, it's good. It's great. It's That's what I feel. Hmm. Okay. Uh, it, it sounds it's, like you're working people in the Midwest here. Oh, that's what it sounds like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're working with Minnesotans. <laughs> and, uh, and so it's being able to have that discernment and that intuition to know when to press, know when to let up, and making it be 
you know, what it is. And so here's a, a challenging question for you, Carl, when I think back to your life as to where you are now. So, I mean, you know, there's a lot of, you know, I get that your experiences have um, shaped, you know, how you became, who you became. But if you were going to look back on your life and maybe try and offer some words of wisdom at points where perhaps someone could have interjected in your life, what would that look like if you're talking to a 20, 21-year-old now? Um, because you've got to go through, you know, me and you believe our lives are predetermined, you know, from from God as to how we're how we're going to live out our lives. But what what can you say to someone who's living in it to try and help them understand that in 10, 15 years, you're going to be a very different different person is there anything i don't know but it's that's a challenging and deep one yeah man i love that question simon because the first thing i would tell them breathe just breathe (laughs) it's not as serious and i had a mentor one time when i was in my mid-20s and i was fired up about something but simon i used to be able to get pissed off in a matter of seconds and he said you know how I, he goes, I used to be like you. What do you mean? I used to just get, get upset and get mad and fly off at the handle. And he said, I just had this frame that I used. I was like, okay, what is it? And he said, I just think when I'm frustrated or mad about something, is this something I would share on my deathbed? Now, I have my family around me. I get to choose the time and the place that which I pass from this life to the next. Is this a story that I'll be sharing with them in that in my final moments? If it is, then yeah, get upset. But if it's not, do everything in your power to let it go. So that first thing, breathe. Second thing is understand that most of us will vastly underestimate what we can do in the long term, yet we overestimate what we can do in the in the short term. So, you know, 20 something that's listening to this and you know, you're going to be you're going to be married by 24, you're going to have kids at 26, you have your first million by 30, you're going to be retired by 35, you're going to have, you know, millions of dollars in real estate by this and that, that, that. could it happen? Sure. Does it happen? Absolutely. More likely is it you're going to have to commit to the journey. You're going to have to commit to the process of 1% better, not jumps of 300% better. And when you commit to doing the small, actionable things in the right direction, over time, there's the multiplier. Time is the multiplier. Then you'll reach the results you want. Then you'll reach the success you want. And so breathe, trust the process, and understand that every single one of us is in the people business, no matter what you do. I think I left a trail. I don't think I know. I left a trail of bodies early in my leadership career. A a mountain (laughs) of them. Because I had the mentality, Simon, I'm a driver. I'm, I'm type A. I'm go, 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 drive, 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 hustle, 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 grind it out. And then I realized that's not how everybody operates. And so understanding that my ability to lead people is directly tied to my ability to understand them, not who I need them to be. So breathe, trust the process, and learn people like it's your job because it is. 
Well, I mean, that is incredible stuff that you've delivered there. So many um, nuggets or diamonds that people are going to take away and resonate and reflect on. Okay, so my last question or talking point, but I'll I'll put to you then. So one of your biggest life pivots, despite everything that you've told us already, was then when you walked out on a very settled and established career. And I know the church where you were, it's a large church, it's in multiple states. You could have just stayed there and, and just hung on and, you know, this, this is it to retirement, you know, the, whatever the, the, the nonprofit version is of the 401k. I mean, what was it like to walk into the unknown? Because that's what a lot of people are feeling when we're talking about self-discoveries, pivots and transformations. How, how do I know if this is my calling or where I'm just being reckless making this decision? What was it like for you when you just ripped everything out and sort of started again? Man, I think back to that now. I'm like, oh, goodness. Um, you know, Simon, I was 51% sure that it'd work. But I was more than 50, so that was good. And, yeah. and as soon as I got to that point, that's when I jumped. And I think so often we go back and forth and, I, and should I do this? Should I not do this? And we do this mental ping pong game. And what I realized is that the piece that I desired, it followed my action and obedience it rarely, if ever, proceeds. So peace follows our action. It doesn't precede it. And so the moment I made the decision, I had peace. Leading up to it, I did not. I was all over the place. Is this the right thing? Should I go here? Should I do this? Am I crazy? Yeah, I'm kind of crazy, but do I feel like this is it? Yes. We made the decision. We got peace. And so that was the biggest piece of it is, you know what, I'm not going to live my life wondering if this would have worked. Because my my journey, my version, my definition of success is getting to the end of my life with as few what-if moments as possible. And I love in the, we're not going to dive into it uh, too much, because it's going to start wrapping up, but you said that we made the decisions. So I'm assuming that your wife was involved in that. That's that's, that's a great little thing I wanted to make sure I emphasize in there, but he said, you know, we made the decision. So you didn't walk in one day and say to your wife, I've just quit a job and, and here Don't we go. Don't do yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, there's only one outcome if you're in a relationship and you do that type of stuff. And, you know, we're not a marriage show, but, you know, there's, there's right. maybe a marriage one in there. But so, Carl, hey, it's been um, great to get to know you. And I should say to my listeners, you know, we got to know each other um, offline outside this podcast. Uh, we go in various different social audio rooms together. It's always great to hear you talk and your wisdom and your passion and your heart as well. I mean, you've, you've shared uh, so much which has resonated with me and I know it will do with my listeners across the, across the world. But maybe just tell us a little bit, Carl, about where can people find your coaching? Uh, where should they look for your um, podcast and any social media that you want to share with my listeners? Yeah, absolutely, Simon. So podcast launched in March. 28 episodes in, it's called Unleash the Champ Leadership Podcast. Share success stories and practical leadership tips that help you win the championship run you're created and destined to do. I'm most active on Instagram. So if you want to hear more about the coaching, you want to just share your story of who you became and how you became, I'd love to hear that as well. Hey, at, that's, that's an invite for me to come on the show. Come on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, at Kyle J. Sullivan, just in the message, uh, put who I became. So I know it came from this show and uh, and I could shout Simon out for sending over a great person 
to uh, learn and grow from. Well, Kyle, as I said, an honor and a privilege, and I wish you all the best and look forward to talking to you again sometime soon. You take care, Kyle. Thank you for joining the Who I Became podcast. To help spread this inspiring story, be sure to share it with your friends, hit the like button, and of course, subscribe to our channel so you won't miss out on any future episodes. We'd also love to hear how this story impacted you. So leave us a comment on whatever platform you're watching us from. To learn more about this episode, our guests, or Simon, head over to simonosimo slash podcast and sign up to receive the latest information delivered straight to your inbox. Once again, thank you for joining us for the Who I Became podcast.